0: Well, I'm loving this series on warrior that we're doing and just to let you know no baby yet We're still in the pegasus mode. We have not made the trip to bethlehem yet uh, Michael Hewitt was on standby today and uh, so I appreciate I appreciate that now today We're going to continue the series uh, In the warrior and I'm really like it and and so guys I, I need your help today. So work with me here I just made a rule And it's going to be enforced until this sermon series is over. November 21st, here's the rule. Guys, here's the deal. No more chick flicks. Amen? Amen. Guys, you can do better than that. No more chick flicks. Amen? I've been busted at my house trying to finish the kitchen project with the help of others and my friends. And my wife, after we kind of slowed down, she said, you know what I want to do tonight? And she's not a real big movie watcher. She said, I want to watch a movie. And I'm thinking, all right, here we go. She said, I want to watch my big fat Greek wedding. (laughs) My big fat Greek wedding. Are you kidding me? So here's the deal. There's no more chick flicks allowed, and all the men say, amen. I mean, no more sense and sensibility, no more pride and prejudice. I mean, this is, this is warrior, and so I, I just kind of want to help you. Now, by the way, I have heard that some of you watched a chick flick this past week. Now, if you watched a chick flick, you got to be honest. Guys, raise your hand if you watched a chick flick this past week, guys, raise your, raise your hand. All right, all right, what, what, did, what did you watch? I'm going to help you. What did you watch? Oh, please. See, I'm, I'm here to help you. Tonight, tonight, I want you to watch the bridge over River Kwai, okay? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's a guy movie, amen, guys? You know what I'm thinking? And Ryan Caldwell. Ryan, stand up. I am so disappointed in you. What movie did you watch? Don't you change it right now. Where's Jeff? Would you take your son out right now and have a talk? All right, look. Look, I want you to do a little, Jeff, I want you to do a little male bonding with your son here. All right? Forget the chick flicks. Don't even blame it on your girl. All right? Tonight, you were alone. That's even worse. (laughs) Tonight, after football, (laughs) you're not helping yourself here, buddy. I'm telling you. It's a funny movie. No, it's not, Ryan. It's a chick flick. I want you to go home and watch a guy movie, The Magnificent Seven, right here, all right? That's a guy movie, right? I mean, you know what a guy movie is. Guy movie is you get shot, you keep on fighting, you know? Guy stabs you in a leg with a knife, you pull the knife out, you keep on fighting. Some guy shoots you with a bow and arrow, you know, an Indian shoots you with a bow and arrow, and you snap that thing off, and you keep on fighting. You know, aren't those great movies? Man, I love him, John Wayne and True Grit. I love that one scene where there's three or four guys on a horse, and here's John Wayne, and I mean, he's kind of like a fat old man on that horse. He one-eyed, puts the reins in his mouth, and those four guys are the worst shots in the world. Can't hit that guy, but he keeps shooting, he keeps firing, no matter what happens. You know, the problem with those guy movies is that the guy movies don't typically acknowledge when the men were hurt. They just keep on fighting anyway. They ignore the pain, and they ignore the reality of the pain, and they just keep going like it never happened. And so most of us don't want to acknowledge when we're hurt. And the challenge is, and there's a lot of wounded warriors out there is that you don't want to acknowledge the wound and therefore you find it very hard to experience spiritual healing and spiritual wholeness. And so this morning, I kind of want to deal with that thing. The title of the message today is The Wounded Warrior and we're going to talk about some things that may be a little painful for some. We're going to talk about the relationship between a warrior and a son and a warrior and his father. Take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 127, verses 4 and 5. Now, in this message, you're going to get a lot of verses. We're going to throw all the verses up on the screen, but I want you to write them down as best as you can, following your Bible and mark these in God's Word in your Bible. Whether you're using the King James, ESV, just mark them, mark them in your Word. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quivers full of them. They'll be put, they'll not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies at the gates. Isn't that a great classic? It's one of those great family songs, familial songs that David, we believe David would write and David would sing, and, and it was just great, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Like sons and daughters to a father. He said, these are born in your youth, and I love the picture. He says, blessed is men with children, who, who a man and a father who stands with his sons and stands with his daughters, and they're united, and they're close, and they stand together at the gate to fight off the forces of evil. So he said, blessed is that man. And there's those of you who had a great relationship with your dad. And those of you who have great relationship with your children, and if you had a great relationship with your dad, and if you have a great relationship with your children, you are very, very blessed. Unfortunately, though, that's not the experience for everyone. There's a guy by the name of Robert Bly. Robert Bly is an author and a poet. He coined the phrase, the father wound, the father wound. And what he showed, that it's very common for a son to feel wounded by his father. Now, the father can intentionally wound the son or daughter. And sometimes you have fathers who are just, to be polite, to be politically correct, jerks. They're mean, they're crude, they're lewd, they're self-centered, egotistical, maniacal. And they intentionally, deliberately inflicted wounds to you. That's one father wound. Bly went on to say that there's another kind of father wound where the son just misinterprets the father's actions. To where the, the son or the daughter has the father so high on a, on a pedestal so kind of heroic-like that no matter what the father does, the expectations of the child could never measure up to the reality of the father because so much more is expected of the father than what the father can give. Another way a child is wounded is simply because the child may take something that the father intended for good, misinterpret it, and apply it and, and, and kind of a, a way that inflicted pain and and matter of fact, as you search through Scripture, there's these father wounds all throughout scripture. There's a story of David and Absalom. And David was the king and yet his son Absalom ran him off the throne and ran him out of Jerusalem and had to hide in caves and and, and that tremendous story. There's a story of of Isaac who had two sons. They were twins, Jacob and, and Esau. Esau was Isaac's favorite and his mom's favorite was Jacob. And because of the favoritism of the parents, it inflicted wounds on their children. It was the father's wound. They fought within each other. They fought against their dad. I mean, it was just kind of the beginning of a kind of a dysfunctional family. Then there's the story of Jacob. And he had 12 sons. But his favorite son was Joseph. He gave Joseph the coat of many colors. He didn't give the other sons a coat of many colors. But he gave Joseph that coat of many colors. And, and Joseph would tell dreams. And his father would ravish in those dreams. And want to hear them. And about the, the younger ruling the older. And all of that kind of stuff. Well it made the jealousy between the brothers so intense. That they conspired to kill him. Slowly, sold him into slavery. And thought he was done with the whole thing. It's just incredible. Perhaps one of the the stories in Scripture that touches me most that you may not think about is when Jesus was on the cross. And you may have never thought about it. But when Jesus was on the cross, he became sin for us. His righteousness was covered up by our sin. He died for our sins, he became sin, and because God is holy, his heavenly Father somehow turned away. And so for the first time ever, Jesus Christ on the cross, because of your sins, because of my sins, experienced loneliness, experienced isolation, experienced feeling cut off. Matter of fact, he would say Eli, Eli, Sabbathana, which simply means, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Jesus probably could have said, Father, wasn't I doing what you wanted me to do? And now you turn your back on me? And so there on the cross, that Eli, Eli, Lama Sabbathini why have you forsaken me? In the moment of his greatest need, he was saying, Father, why? I think that probably in this room today, there's a six-year-old, there's inside of you a a six-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old that would love to ask your father, why? 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 Why, why were you cruel to me? Why did you drink? Why did you treat mom the way you did? Why did you bail out on us when we needed you the most? Why? Why were you, why did you think that working more was more important than being home with us? Why? And the choices that we make or your fathers make have an influence on us today. And so we go around and we say, why did you leave us? And I mean, we all think, could we have done something better? Was it my fault? And some of you didn't grow up with a dad. Maybe he died or he just wasn't there. And that was a wound. Maybe it wasn't even his fault, but you carry that wound around to this day. Now, I want to make it very clear. My, point, my, my purpose today is not to beat up on fathers or men. Biblically, the Bible says we're to honor our father and our mother. So I want to be very scriptural. I want to, I want to honor the fathers. And, and, and to do that, uh, we're, we're going to kind of walk this line because we want to scripturally honor them. But at the same time, we want to acknowledge that many of us carry deep and significant wounds that we want God to heal so we can honor Him in our relationship in every single way. Matter of fact, my prayer is really found in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6. It's, it's one of the last verses in the Old Testament before there's 400 years of silence between the intertestinal period from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And one of the last words from one of the last prophets of that generation, Malachi says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. He said the goal is that fathers once again are committed to children and children once again are committed to honoring the father. And for those of you that have a strange relationship or a strained relationship with your dad or a challenging relationship with your son or daughter, my prayer today is that you turn your heart to a place of healing with those that are in that strain. So here's the challenge, and you probably know this. A lot of us, a lot of you, were wounded because you wanted your father's approval. Because we so desperately wanted his approval and his validation. You wanted him to validate you as a young warrior and for whatever reason, you didn't get it. And by the way, I'm not casting off on men and men of a generation ago. It was, you know, if you you brought home the bacon, that was supposed to be good enough. And I'm not casting off on those men because I, I didn't live in that generation. I'm just simply saying in the generation that I live now, I don't think that is the best approach to fathering anymore. Might have worked back in the day. Pretty sure it doesn't work today. So if you're following your father's model, might need to readjust that just a bit because here's what it does. The warrior, the person who was starred for his father's approval is sentenced to the prison of performance. The person who starved for their father's approval is sentenced to the prison of performance. In other words, the warrior who is craving, Daddy, tell me I did good. Daddy, tell me I'm valuable. Daddy, tell me I'm special. The warrior who's craving that from his earthly father is sentenced to to be in a prison of performance because they always wonder, Am I enough? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I funny enough? Am I enough? And if we don't give our children that affirmation, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we can wound our children that constrain that relationship that would be a hindrance to us being the man of God God has called us to be. And I'm telling you, we need, a lot of us in this room need spiritual healing from the deep wounds of our heart. Because we've run around trying to get the approval of others and and the approval of people. And if if I'll just do this, then they'll love me more. If I'll just do that, then this person will like me. And then they'll think I'm good. And and they'll think I'm loving. And they'll want me to be their friend. And if I just do this and if I just do that, then I'm accepted with this group and I'm accepted with that group. Listen, the purpose who starved for father's approval or parental approval is sentenced to the prison of performance. conversely conversely if i mess up and i don't perform to my father's expectations then what happens well then i'm a failure and i'm unloved because i wasn't loved unconditionally i was loved with conditions attached if i hit the ball far enough i'm proud of you if i ran fast enough I'm proud of you. If I got better grades than anybody else, way to go. Then I'm satisfied. And it's all about performance and appearance. If we're not careful, we'll tend to go to that other side, that that conditional love side instead of loving our children simply because God gave us that precious gift of life to mold, to train, to love in the name of Jesus Christ. And so here we are with a choice of loving unconditionally or loving conditionally. And the problem is, is we cannot keep acting like we're not wounded. Men, because here's what happens, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And so if you're hurt because of a a dysfunctional relationship with your father... Have you ever noticed that relationships around you seem to implode? Have you ever noticed that they seem to self-destruct or they seem destructive? Because you're not a spiritual warrior, you're a destructive warrior. Hurt people, hurt people. You don't mean to, but that's just kind of what happens because you're a wounded person who needs healing. So how do we heal? I can't begin to provide healing in 15 minutes. I'm so thankful we have Jeff and Beth in our Wounded Hearts ministry right here in, in Kirby Church. And, and man, I, I lift them up to you. But I do think the Bible gives us some starting points. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. By God's power, we can, we can, we can start this process. And chapter 3 and verse 13 of Colossians is very direct. And it says this: bear with each other and forgive, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That is a powerful verse. Kind of let me tell you how forgiveness works here for just a minute, all right? And and, and you need to pay attention because this is, I think, maybe it will help you. Let's say that. you and i let me just use tommy tommy's this little wimpy guy <laughs> yeah right and uh and let's just say tommy and i have a big big falling out tommy's my friend and i love him and carlin and they're two boys and and but let's just say for whatever reason we just blow up and it, it, it just we just have this big all day, now because he and i are fussing Carla and I, our relationship is a little strained, and Terry, who loves Tommy and Carla and their boys, now that relationship is a little strained. And, and then Tommy's closest buddies at church probably would side with Tommy because you know that's kind of what friends do. We just kind of look blindly at scriptural principle, and, and we just kind of take personality sides. And 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 other folks would say, "Well, he's the pastor; I ought to do what the pastor says." And so, and it just kind of has these ripple effects, and it's just odd. And he looks at me, and and every time he looks at me, he gets that little kind of in his heart. You kind of know what that is it just nod so I'm not the only weirdo in the room you know what I mean somebody messes you over and it's just like oh, yeah. you know if God don't kill him you'd like to help God do that you know for him and yeah. amen yeah <laughs> and you just kind of want to you know and so forgiveness is an event but it's also a process So Tommy comes to me, or I come to Tommy, and I say, Tommy, listen. Or Tommy says to me, hey, pastor, this is silly. I'm sorry, I was wrong. No, no, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And we go through this event of forgiveness. But it's it's a process, too. Because not only do I have to deal with the act of it, I have to deal with the emotion of it. And for me, dealing with the emotion of it is harder than dealing with the act of it. Now, it may be the other way around for you, but dealing with emotion of it is a And so now the next time I see Tommy and maybe his good buddy, and have you ever done this in church? It's two guys, two people been talking in the back of the church, and, and, and they're just talking, and they're just looking around, you know, and all of a sudden they make eye contact with you. And When they make eye contact with you, they, they look quickly away, and the first thing you go is they're talking about me you ever done that amen anybody ever done that you bunch of liars I know you have and all of a sudden all of that kind of yeah comes right back you've forgiven but the emotion of it the wound of it the pain of it becomes right back in your face it's an event but it's also a process I think Paul, when he talked about buffeting himself and beating his body unto subjection, I think some of it was, was the emotional kind of things that he had to go, no, no, they're not talking about me. No, 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 that's between them and that person. No, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus and not on, on men so you don't get sidetracked by the emotion of it because the event of it, you've forgiven as the Lord forgave you unconditionally. Now, most of us stop there. Because here's what we do. We look at Tommy and we go, okay, Tommy, I forgive you, great, we love, we hug, and inside we're going, yeah, right, but our relationship will never again be what it once was. And there may be some wounds and some sin and some pain that the consequences of those actions do make it just about impossible for the relationship to be what it does. I I am not trying to say sin does not have consequences. What I wanna make the point here is that you have to go i think a step farther than just forgiving romans 15:7 says you have to go to accepting i'll be honest colossians 3:13 is easy romans 15:7 is hard accept one another just as christ accepted you in order to bring glory to god praise to god you accept them, not their action. You accept them. Jesus Christ never accepted our sin. He became our sin to bear our sin, to atone for our sin, to bury our sin. He never came to condone our sin. And so, what we're talking about here is accepting the person and kind of separating the sin from the sinner, which is hard. Oh man, it's hard to do. We're to accept each other. It doesn't mean you have to accept the painful actions, but it does mean you have to release the hurt and you have to and you have to release the offense because of Christ. And I wish I could talk a whole lot more about it, but let me flip it around for just a second. I want to talk to to you about your relationship with your sons or your daughters. And guys, I want to give you three statements that you need to tell your kids, unconditional statements you need to tell your kids. If you're going to help kind of break this cycle of woundedness, there's three things you ought to tell, excuse me, you ought to tell your children every day over and over and over and over again. Write them down, get a tattoo, put it right there where you go, what was that? No, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just kidding about tattoo, but but write it down, put it, you know, where you can see it. Here's the three things. Write it down. Because as soon as I say it, you're going to, oh yeah, yeah, I know it, but do it. The first thing you ought to say to your kid every day, over and over, is I believe in you. I believe in you. You got what it takes. When God was passing out talent and ability and he got stuck on you and he just gave you more than the rest, I just believe in you. You got talent. You got what it takes. You can do it. And I'm telling you, when your dad stands up and cheers you on and, and tells you you can do it, man, i am telling you what, that'll carry a kid a long, long way. In high school, I wrestled. And I was in a championship match at a at a wrestling tournament. And we were... Uh, I was wrestling our arch rivals. We were the battling beavers of Beaver Creek. That sounds... Ooh. Battling be... Bucky, you know? I mean, it was just like... It's a not Beaver's like the world's worst mascot, you know? Wolverine's the second worst, but beaver's the worst, you know? And it's like, come on. And we were... I was wrestling, I was was seeded number one and I was wrestling in the championship match, the, the number two seed and he was from our arch rival team, Centerville High School, the Centerville Elks. We weren't very creative in Ohio, I'm telling you. And so, so we're in this Now ladies this is not like jumping off the top Buckle and all of that kind of stuff This is legit high school wrestling And so I, was, I, I put a move on this kid We were in the first period and I put a move It was a legit move And I put a move on this kid And I, I knew my dad was there And, and he, my dad is very I.J. Smith-ish If you know I.J. Smith He doesn't say a whole lot He's very calm, he's very reserved Go to the polar opposite of what I am And there is my dad, Alright And so my dad is sitting right in the middle of the Centerville high school section. He's sitting right by the dad of the kid I'm wrestling. And when you hurt somebody, you you have two minutes Or you did back in the day. I'm assuming you still do. You have two-minute injury timeout, and if you can't continue after two minutes, then, you know, because it was a legal move, he would forfeit the match uh, to me, and and I I would win the the championship. And so, anyway, you know how it is when somebody gets hurt. If you've ever been to a wrestling meet or a football game, and somebody gets hurt, everybody kind of, oh. And it gets real quiet, and everybody sits down. And my dad stood up (laughs) right by the guy that I had just put on the mat in the middle of their section. and my dad who says nothing stood up and he said way to go and he put my nickname in I'm not telling you my nickname but he said way to go and I whipped around and saw my dad stand up saying way to go man my coach had to told me that I was going to rip that kid's head off because <laughs> my dad was saying I believe in you go get him you can do it. I don't care what the odds are. I don't care what other people say. I know you. And I believe in you. So you ought to say that. The second thing you ought to say is I love you. Oh, nope. Say I'm proud of you. <laughs> we'll get to that one in a second. You say I'm so proud of you. Now, teenagers, just kind of amen. Teenagers are the only ones allowed to amen right now. If your parents were to walk up to you And go, hey, you know what? I'm just proud of you. You would go, what's up? (laughs) You'd get your phone out. You'd be texting your friends. My parents, they're crazy. (laughs) Something's wrong. What's up? Right? I'm so proud of you. Because most of the time, our children expect a but after that phrase. I'm so proud of you. But keep working in school. You'll make it. I'm so proud of you. But you can't help it. You're so ugly. (laughs) I'm just saying what some of the teens have told me is all, you know. We just need to say I'm proud of you. I'm just proud of you. They're going to go, yeah, no, I'm just proud of you. Why? Because you're my kid. And I love you. That's the third thing. I love you. Why? I don't know. I just do. When you were born, God put something in my heart. I was so proud of you the first time I held you. When you wrapped your little finger around my, uh, your hand around my my finger. And then when you wrapped your arms around my neck. And then when we walked, I, I just love you. You don't have, how you you are enough. I love you, and look him in the face. Get your face out of ESPN. Grab them other or the face and say, I love you, you know. Tell them. Look at them. My dad and I are. We're very close as when I was a kid growing up. And then I, uh, my dad was a great kid dad and he was a great baby dad. And then when I became a freewheeling teenager, my dad didn't quite know what to do with me. And, uh, but we still did a lot of things together. And then I went off to Bible College and, and then to North Carolina and, and Kentucky and, and then here. And so my, my brother kind of took my spot as doing everything with my dad. And most of you know that my dad has Alzheimer's now and about three weeks ago we were talking on the phone and my dad doesn't answer the phone very much so it was kind of neat that I got him on the phone and we were chatting it up just a little bit and, and of course you never really know if he knows you or not and it's not his fault and, and, and you never really know just kind of, and so all of a sudden just out of the blue he said, I just want you he, say, he, he, just, he just out of the blue he said, I love you Mike and I just went, <laughs> Now, he could have been talking about Michael Douglas, Michael Curtis. He could have been talking, (laughs) I don't care. I love you. Dude, I'm 52 years old. I'm a young looking 52, by the way. (laughs) And it still does something, did something for me when I heard my dad say, I love you. If you're going to be a spiritual warrior, if you're going to make an impact for the cause of Christ, then you've got to be spiritually healthy and spiritually whole. Some of you have been wounded by your fathers. And I can't take that pain away. That's, that's a work of God in your heart. But it starts with Colossians thirteen or 3.13, and it moves on uh, from forgiving to accepting in Romans 15.7. I'm just simply saying that you don't have to keep going along with life with a broken arrow sticking out and buckshot, you know, there, and bullet wounds. Man, you can get healing, and you can begin the process of healing today. Maybe your dad bailed out on your family. I don't know. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic. I don't know. Maybe your dad was abusive emotionally physically, sexually. I don't know. Maybe your dad was just an just a unkind. I, I don't know. But now it doesn't start with your dad. It has to start with you. The Holy Spirit working in you to say, take that step to Colossians 3.13 and then move on to Romans 15.7. So that you can know what it's like to be whole. So that you can have a relationship with God the Father and a healthy and whole relationship with your children. So when you tell them you love them, when you tell them you're proud of them, when you tell them you believe in them, they go, Yeah, that's my dad. He's not perfect, but that's my dad. See, there's two things, there's two ways your relationship with your sons or your daughters can go, because there'll be a point in time, probably after you're dead and gone, that a conversation like this will ensue. Somebody will look at your son or your daughter, and they'll go, you know what, you're just like your father, and if you've been a jerk, and if you've been unkind, and if you've been ungodly if you've been everything that they don't want to be they're going to look at that person who says you're just like your father and they're going to say with a stern and almost hatred tone in their voice don't you ever don't you ever don't you ever say that about me I am nothing like that man War. somebody can look at you because look at your son or daughter probably maybe at a funeral again somebody hasn't seen your son or daughter for a long time and you've lived a godly life you, you've loved and served your wife and your family you, you fought the battles that God has placed in front of you you were faithful to God's word you were faithful in prayer you were an obedient man of God and you stood when others didn't and you you uh, you followed and pursued the spirit of God when others were fallen by the wayside and and you lived a godly life a life of honor and a life of integrity and somebody at that funeral looks at your son or daughter and goes you know what you look just like your dad they go really really You, you think I look like my dad you think I'm like my dad Wow, that's a compliment. You know, my daddy wasn't perfect. But I tell you what, my lad, he loved Jesus. And if I can love him half as much as dad loved him, I'll turn out to be quite a man. Thanks for that compliment. And dads, it's your choice which way they'll respond by the way you choose to live now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? In just a moment, we're going to be done and we're going to leave this place and we're going to go eat, but can we start the process of healing? Can we take a trip to Colossians 3.13? Then can we move on to Romans 15, 7. Can we forgive and accept so that one day our children, our children will go, thanks, thanks for seeing a little bit of my dad in me? I'm talking to folks, you've been wounded by someone. It may be your parents, it may be your ex, it may be your current. Uh, marriage it may be in your extended family it just may be a friend that you trusted and the wounds go deep and you try to act like it doesn't matter you try to act like it doesn't hurt but the wounds are there and man the first place to start is let's acknowledge it and let's begin to pray i believe in prayer Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much. Let's pray. And I love praying for you. I love praying for our church. And I wonder, nobody's looking around in the front or the back, just me, just me only. And I wonder, would you be honest and just say, Pastor, you know, I, I, I got wounds here may not have been for my dad, but, but I'm, I'm one of those wounded warriors. I, I'm one of those wounded people you were talking about. And it goes for men and women, sons or daughters. You got that. The principles apply to all. And I wonder, with no one looking around, you just raise your hand and just give me the privilege of praying for you in these next few moments. Would you just raise your hand? Raise it, raise it, raise it, raise it, just raise it all over the building. Would you put your hands down? Would you pray with me together for those that raise their hand? Father, Lord, there were many who raised their hands here this morning. And I cannot take the pain away. I'm not the healer.